you know, I've been thinking about my message, well, I've been thinking about this particular message for a long time. I shared a part of it a few weeks ago at our worship and healing service. I shared some of it last week down at the Lake Crystal Church, the Abundant Life Church. And as I was praying about it, and I asked the elders what they thought of me sharing some more about this, and, and as I, we all said yes, because it's something that we believe here as a church. And for some of you, it may be something that you're not so sure of. And I want to just preface it. I'm going to be using quite a few scriptures on the screen this morning, way more than normal. But I want you to see the position that we have and that I have personally from the Word of God. But I also want to let you know that if you go and look online or other people's readings, theologians, etc., people a whole lot smarter than me, you could see that they're going to use some of the exact same scriptures and come to a completely different conclusion. And I want you to be challenged to be Bereans, to be those who go and study the Word, to know what you believe and why you believe it. We all come with different biases. We all come with things that we have been taught or things that we have presumed. We also all come with life experiences and circumstances that we've lived through and lived in sometimes dictate what we believe to be true. And that's why it is so important that you know what you believe and why you believe it. Because the Bible does tell us also that, you know what, God's way and our ways aren't always the same. God's thoughts and my thoughts aren't always the same. There are things about God and about His Word I don't understand. And short of heaven, I'm not going to. By His grace, I hope to learn more continually, to understand more and to understand better. But until we get to that place where all of it's revealed to us, we're going to walk in a certain amount of lack of understanding. So if, if what I'm going to share about in terms of healing, my, my title of my message I think is something like, Does God Want to Heal Today? There you go. Does God Want to Heal Today? I'm going to start with a little bit of an example or illustration. It's about a little boy who went to Sunday school and his dad was in adult Bible class. And in the children's Sunday school, they were studying about Moses leading his people out of Egypt. And of course, they came to the story of the Red Sea. And the father on the way home from church is talking to his son and he says, Son, what did you talk about and what did you learn today in Sunday school? He says, Oh, Dad, they taught us about Moses coming to the Red Sea with all of his people. Really, his dad said, what happened? Oh, he says, Dad, it's amazing. They came to the Red Sea, and then they had the people that were pulling all of the big pontoons come to the front. And they put one pontoon and one pontoon and one after another of pontoons all the way across the Red Sea, and they attached them all together. And then all the Hebrews got in the jeeps and trucks, and they all rode across the Red Sea safe. And the last people wired it with dynamite. And when the Egyptians came with all of their weapons chasing them and going to kill them, they blew the bridge up and all of the Egyptians drowned. And the dad says, Son, is that really what they told you the Bible said? And the son looked at him and says, No, Dad, but if I told you what the Bible really said, you'd never believe it. And there are a lot of things in the Bible 
when we read it, we can't hardly believe it because it doesn't fit what we have been taught or what we think based on our own interpretation, someone else's interpretation, or my life experiences. And we read the Bible and go, wow, that's pretty far out. I'm not sure. And I believe healing, physical healing, is one of those areas. Now I'm going to ask you to give me grace to stay and keep your ears open till the end of the message, especially if you disagree with my theology. And then you can stone me. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where the Bible tells us the prince of this world is Satan. We as Christians are still apart. We still live in this world. We have been set apart, but we still live here. And we are under the influence of this place we call earth and the environment and the atmosphere that we live in, in the natural, but also in the spiritual. So today what I want to do is try to share with you from the Bible why I believe physical healing is for today and that God wants to physically heal His children. And even this morning as I was praying, I was thinking, boy, isn't this ironic that I'm going to preach this message? (laughs) I was doing good till I looked over there. When we're going to have a funeral tomorrow for a young lady who is only 67 years old. How does it fit? How does it work? Well, in Proverbs 4, verse 20, it says this, My child, pay attention to my words. Listen attentively to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Guard them within your heart. Boy, he is telling us, the writer of Proverbs is saying, the Word of God is critical and it's important. Listen. And it says, why? Because they are life to those who find them and healing to one's entire body. The Word of God is powerful. So to that purpose, I'm going to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden And then we're going to work our way forward. And we won't spend long there because we'll never get out of here. But remind yourself again, the Garden of Eden was this place where God created Adam and Eve in an absolutely perfect, sinless environment. Total intimacy with the God. It says He would walk with them in the cool of the day because there was no sin There was no barriers. There was no veil between God and man. None. And if sin had not have entered in, Adam and Eve would still be alive today. They would have never died. But sin did enter in. And the consequences of sin, God had warned them, there's only one rule, don't eat of the fruit of that tree, because when you do, you will surely die. And when they did, spiritual death entered in and a separation between God and man entered in and physical death, sickness, disease, all of those things became a part of earth. When they were cast out of the garden, it's a picture of that fellowship with God being broken. Sickness and disease entered the earth. Death, physical death and spiritual death came about. And sometimes when you, <clears throat> when you look and read through this and talk about this, <clears throat> man became under a curse. 
And some might say, well, the curse, didn't that come after Moses received the law? Well, man sinned way before Moses received the law. And he had expectations that man was going to obey something that he had communicated to them somehow. I don't know. I don't know how. But I do know in Genesis 26, 5, it says, Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commands and my decrees and my laws. So there were commands, decrees, and laws before Moses. And the curse really entered into the earth in the garden with sin. In Deuteronomy 28, it says this, The curse of the law. If you want to read about the curse of the law, and I'm not going to spend all this time, if you were in adult Bible class this morning, you're a step and a half ahead. Awesome. But if you read Deuteronomy 28, you'll see the curse of the law laid out. The first 14 verses talk about the blessings of obedience. And then from verse 15 all the way to the end of the chapter, verse 68, it talks about the curses. And basically, if I was going to just give you three categories of curses within that whole list of curses, they would be this. The curse of poverty. The curse of sickness. And the curse of spiritual death. And as you read it, and it goes on for many verses, but the curse entered the earth entered mankind, entered humanity. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, and it's almost a repeat of what was in verse 15, but verse 19 reads, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. Well, the problem was, No one could live a perfect life. Everybody was going to sin. And the consequences, the wages of sin, has always been death. So God made provision. If you read in uh, the Old Testament, where the Bible class was reading some of this, I believe, this morning in Leviticus, it talks about the Day of Atonement or Atonement. Because keeping the law was impossible, God came with this temporary solution, which was a picture or a type of what was going to be coming, and it was going to be a permanent solution eventually in Jesus Christ. And on that Day of Atonement, an interesting thing would take place. The high priest, and there he'll be reading about Aaron, it says he would take a bull or a ram, and he would sacrifice that first for himself and his family. And he would have to go through all the ceremonial stuff that is included there and sprinkling of the blood, etc., etc. And, and that would just be for him and his family. And then there was two goats. And he would take one of those goats and that first goat was to be sacrificed for the sins of the people, of the whole nation of Israel. And he again would go through all of the ceremonial uh, rules, regulations, things that they were supposed to do for the people. And then there was this goat, the other goat, that was called the scapegoat. I'm going to just quickly read in Leviticus 16, verses 21 and 22. 
The high priest is to take this goat and he's to lay both hands on the head of that live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all of their sins, and put them on the goat's head. And then he will send the goat away into the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task. And the goat will carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place. And then the man shall release it into the desert. In Jewish history and tradition states that they would often take a red cloth. And now in those days, those red dyes weren't quite as set as ours are today. But they would, try, they would tie symbolically this red cloth, this piece of red cloth on this goat that would be let go, go way out in the wilderness. Symbolic of it bearing away all the sins of the nation. And tradition says they used that red cloth because over time out in the desert, the red cloth would turn white because of the sun shining on the red cloth. The symbolism, the typology of Jesus Christ in the atonement. In Leviticus chapter 17, verse, 7, verse 11, it says this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes the atonement. Death had to occur to deal with sin. It is the life that's in the blood that is the reason for the atonement the taking away, the bearing away of that sin. In Galatians 3, now jumping all the way into the New Testament, all the way into a new covenant. The old covenant has passed away. Jesus Christ has came as the Son of God, lived a sinless life on earth, and was taken to the cross and crucified and raised again. The final atoning sacrifice for humanity. In Galatians chapter 3, I'm going to read verse 10 and 13. It says this, For all who rely on the works of the law are still under a curse. As it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. And it's impossible to do everything that's written in the book of the law. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or hung on a tree, hung on a cross. Jesus became the curse. He took the curse. He broke the curse when he was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. In Romans chapter 3, verse 21, it says, But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. But that's the first part. There's no greater blessing God could give anyone than eternal life, salvation through Christ. There's no other way. If you're here and you have not personally accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, acknowledging you're a sinner, you needed somebody, something to step in and take your place because you were condemned to death. But Jesus Christ went in my place. He went in your place. Died in your place, my place. And when we receive that gift of salvation... We're saved. Our sins are forgiven. 
The goat's never coming back. It's taken care of forever. The curse has been broken in the life of a believer. Praise God. It's all there. And in Romans, then it continues. It says, This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. It doesn't matter who you are. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. And He did this to demonstrate His justice. We need to understand what took place And we also need to understand the benefits of what took place. Most all of us would agree, as Christians, the primary first benefit would be salvation. We have been forgiven. We will be spending eternity in heaven. Praise God for that. That's our hope. That's the promise that is sure, no matter what. Because it was dealt with in the atonement. Amen? It was taken care of. But that's not all. There's more. There's deliverance. We do not need to be carrying around demons that are tormenting us. We do not need to live in oppression and depression. We don't need to live like that. It's taken care of. The curse was broken. God promises His need, our needs as His children will be met. All of our needs. Spiritual needs physical needs will be met. Prosperity. That's what it really is. It's not how much, it's what it is. Our needs are met in every way. That's a promise of God. And physical healing is a promise of God. It's a promise of God. And I'm, I'm hoping that as I show you in the Scriptures, you'll see why I believe that in spite of the reality, and this is the reality, should the Lord tarry, guess what? We're all going to die. You're all terminal. Me too. Unless he comes back first. What do we do with all that? The benefits of Christ's atonement. We're going to look first in Psalms 103, verse 2. Old Testament. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all its benefits. Whose benefits? His benefits. Let's not forget His benefits. What are they? He forgives all our sins. Hallelujah. He heals all your diseases. Hallelujah. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and crowns you with compassion. And He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Wow. That's a pretty good promise. The Old Testament, Old Covenant wasn't all bad. Isaiah, about seven or 800 years before the birth of Christ, prophesied some amazing things about the benefits of the atonement of Christ. I'm going to read Isaiah 53, 3 through 4, 3 through 5 from two different translations. Because this is where both sides of this position start making their argument. I'm going to read first from the New American Standard. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and he did not esteem him. We did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging we are healed. Now one position you could take is that all of that there, all of those words are all talking about spiritual death. Spiritual sickness. Sickness of the spirit. I beg to differ. In Isaiah 53, I'm going to read it from Young's literal translation. He is despised and left of men, a man of pain and acquainted with sickness. As one hiding his face from us, he is despised and we esteemed him not. Surely our sicknesses he has borne and our pains he has carried them away. And we, we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God and afflicted. And by... And he is pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace is on him. And by his bruise, or by his stripes, there is healing to us. Now you can go ahead, and I encourage you, do a word study. Get into the scriptures and look and see what the words mean. I'm going to show some of them out here in a minute or two, what they, the Greek, the Hebrew. But there's an interesting study you could do. You could go back, and it's kind of called the rule or the law of first usage. And what that simply means, if you're studying something in the Scripture, keep going back earlier in the Scriptures. Go back. Where was it used? Oh, there it was. Let's go back further. And you'll get back into Genesis, and you'll see and discover the first usage for these words for heal is in regards to physical pain, sickness, and disease, the way I understand it. But do your own due diligence if you don't believe what I'm showing you from Scripture today. And when you read in the Lung's literal translation, you see pain and sickness. Sickness has been born. By his stripes, by his bruise, there is healing to us. And this is all prophecy under the Old Covenant. And I think you might have read this in adult Bible class this morning in Hebrews 8, verse 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, referencing to Jesus, by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which has been, been enacted on better promises. The new covenant is better than the old covenant. The blessings of the new covenant are greater than the old covenant. If there was, if there was, if there was provision for spiritual life, spiritual healing, physical healing in the old covenant, there will be in the new covenant and beyond. It'll be better. It'll be bigger because the promises of the new are better than the promises of the old. When I read those verses, it said, Surely our sickness he has borne and our pains he has carried them. By his stripes, by his bruise, there is healing to us. Our sickness he has borne, the picture of that scapegoat in the Old Testament. He has borne the sins of Israel out into the wilderness, out to an isolated place, never to be seen again. Our sins have been forgiven, never to be remembered by God again. It's as if they've been taken away, born somewhere that God's never going to look at you and me and see my sin, the evil that I carry out in my life. Never going to see it. All he's going to see when he looks at me is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The blood of Christ covers me. I have put on the cloak of his righteousness. The sin has been dealt with. The enemy doesn't want you to believe that. He wants you to live with guilt and shame and condemnation. No. No. It's gone. 
Other people may condemn you. Other people may throw shame and guilt on you. But just remind yourself, who are you going to believe, them or God? Good choice. He's smarter than everybody else. And He's the one that provided. It didn't come cheap. It's free to us, but it cost Jesus His life. It cost God His Son. It was horrible what He had to go through. The word that's translated grief is koli, which in the Hebrew means sickness. Thus Young's literal translation. The word translated sorrows is makov in the Hebrew, and it means pain or affliction. So I hope when you look at those, you can see, well, where did they come up with this other stuff? I don't know. But I believe a correct translation is sickness, pain. The word that is translated healed is rafa. Rafa is one of the redemptive names of God. Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah the healer. He who heals thee. Could it be spiritual? It absolutely is spiritual healing. Could it be physical? I believe it is absolutely physical healing because I believe it's part of the atonement available to all of us under the new covenant. Now, like I said before, many people will teach that all those words mean Spiritual things and spiritual healing, spiritual pain, spiritual sickness. And that's okay if they want to. But if the atonement includes physical healing, and I believe the Word of God teaches clearly that it does, I want it. But the problem is this. Sometimes those same words are used in regard to spiritual healing. Thus, the confusion that comes in. And you can study all the lexicons and all the dictionaries, biblical dictionaries you want, and you're going to come back and forth and it'll drive you, give you, you'll get a headache. But I think the easiest and the best way to translate Scripture is with Scripture. And see what the Scripture says as it makes reference to things. It should be, should be consistent. So I'm going to jump to the New Testament in 1 Peter. Chapter 2, verse 24. Peter writes these words, And he is paraphrasing the prophet Isaiah. And he says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Now that sounds really clear, right? Now in this case, it's not as clear when you look at the context of all that's being talked about in the verses preceding. There's definitely some spiritual stuff going on. So when I just look at that scripture, I'm thinking, well, I know he's paraphrasing Isaiah, but but is he talking spiritual or physical? And you have to make a choice. Or you can go to scripture and let scripture tell you what Peter's talking about and what Isaiah meant. So we're going to look at Matthew 8, verse 16 and 17. When you read in in the Gospels, the word in the Greek that's translated heal is called is aomahi, which refers to physical healing over 20 different times. Clearly, physical healing. Again, however, there's a few times it's translated as spiritual healing. So what does Matthew say? And Matthew, I want to give you the context because if you know me, context is important in interpreting Scripture. 
the context that's taking place here, Jesus is out there doing some ministry, and what he's doing is a lot of healing. Throws in a little deliverance, casts out a few demons. But what he's doing is primarily healing. If you read right before it and follow after, first he heals a leper and cleanses a leper of leprosy. I would call that physical healing. Then he runs into the centurion whose servant is home ill. And if you know this is where the centurion says, oh, you don't even need to come, Jesus. You just speak the word and my servant will be healed because he's dying. Jesus said, go, it's done. Physical healing. Then he runs into to Peter's mother-in-law, and Peter's mother-in-law is sick. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then we run into this scripture, and then after this scripture, he casts out some demons, and then he heals a paralytic. The context is totally clear. It's all about physical healing. And in the midst of that, it says this, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed all their sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. The word in the Greek for infirmities means disease, infirmity, sickness, and weakness. The diseases means disease, infirmity, sickness. He carried them all. Matthew is in agreement with Peter, which are both paraphrasing and quoting from the book and from the prophet Isaiah. The atonement broke the curse. Salvation was made available to all, complete deliverance from sin, from the power of sin, and physical disease as part of the curse, and God meeting our needs as part of the curse has been broken. I bet if I asked the question, do you believe God can heal, almost everybody in here would say amen. But if I asked the question, really, can he heal you? You'd go, well, maybe not me, but somebody else. Preferably in Africa or South America. Because it happens there. It doesn't happen here. Well, first of all, it does happen here. We've all seen it and witnessed it ourselves here. We know it's here. But we're not sure that it's his will to heal. And that's where the real problem comes into play. And that's why I'm saying it is so important. You decide for yourselves, what does the Word of God say? If healing was in the atonement, is it God's will? Yes. If it's not in the atonement, I don't know. Sometimes He might, sometimes He might not. But if I am convinced and believe that it's in the atonement, and I know why I believe it, it's His will to heal. And if it's His will to heal, I can pray like it talks about in 1 John 5, verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have whatever we have asked for. But why doesn't everyone get healed if it's God's will? That's the question you really hate to hear if you're the one talking about God wants to heal people. Right? Let me ask you this question instead. 
does what God wills always come to pass? It's a trick question. Be careful. My answer is no, it does not. And here's a very clear reason why I think that. Salvation. In 2 Peter 3, it says this, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some count slackness, but He is long-suffering towards us, not willing. It's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. Does everybody come to eternal life, and does everybody not perish? No. Why not? Isn't it God's will that all would be saved? Yes. Are all saved? No. Narrow is the road. Narrow is the path. How come if it's His will? I don't know. We could have a hundred unbelievers sitting in here and you could get the Billy Graham himself to come and have his youth invigorated and he could give the greatest salvation message ever and will all hundred people be saved? No. Why not? God didn't will that one to get saved or that one or that one or you're really bad. I can't know. Of course not. It's His will. What happens? I don't know. I don't know. I use this, script, use this next scripture as my get-out-of-jail-free card when somebody would ask me a question I didn't know the answer to. I appreciate it now at a much greater spiritual level than that. It's in Deuteronomy 29, 29. Some of you have used it just like I do. The th- secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever. I don't know why God does some things the way He does them. I don't understand. But I do know this. If He has revealed something to me, I'm going to believe it. No matter what, I am going to believe it. I know that I am going to heaven when I die because Jesus Christ died for me and He has promised me that I will go there. You can argue with me all day long. You can get out the litany. You can follow me around and watch how many times I screw up in the next week and throw it all in my face doesn't matter I'm still going to heaven why because I know what I believe the Bible says but I don't understand it all I don't understand the mind of God completely by any means and this brings me to what I hope is some of the most important things I'm saying this morning I believe that we're all called to be Jesus Christ to the world to carry out his ministry His Holy Spirit has been given to us. He told the disciples, wait in Jerusalem until the promise comes so that you have power to go out and carry out my ministry. You are to be my ambassadors. I tell you what, healing was a big part of Jesus' ministry. Evangelism, big part of His ministry. Casting out demons, a big part of His ministry. It's no wonder He said, go into all the world and make disciples and baptizing them in my name and lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. Cast out demons in my name. We're either supposed to do it or we're not. The Bible is either true or it's false. I believe it's true. I need to, and I want to encourage you this way, we need to focus on what we do understand and believe to be true and not on what we don't understand. We've got to focus. That's why it's so important that you know what you believe and why you believe it. If you believe it just because it feels good, forget it. 
or because somebody told you you should think this way, don't, be in, don't buy that. If you don't believe what I'm saying, go to the Word yourself. Dig deep into the Word of God. You've got the Holy Spirit, the greatest teacher ever living in you. Let Him reveal to you whether it's true or not. But once you know and once you believe, don't let your faith be shaken. Don't let confusion enter in. Learning to live with the unexplainable is one of the most necessary ingredients of living out the Christian life. This was a hard one for me, and it still is, because I want to explain everything. I want to know the whys, the hows, and the winds. But if I have to understand everything, I'm toast. We have to give up our right to understand everything. How many of you want the peace that passes all understanding? Then you've got to give up the right to understand everything. Think about what it says. There is a peace that passes all understanding. If I'm sitting there trying to figure it all out and agonize over it, I've got no peace. God, I don't understand it. I don't get it, but I believe it's true because your word says so. Ah, peace. Peace that passes all understanding. We all want that peace, but we've got to understand first. I'm sorry. I won't even pray for you that way anymore. If you got to, I don't know. I don't understand. We've got to give it up because if we don't give up the right to understand, there's this snare called disappointment. We get caught in this snare of disappointment. And it will catch us. And it will be that hindrance that will keep us from moving in the miraculous that God has for us. Do I believe signs and wonders are for today? Yes. But if I walk around thinking, well, maybe, hope so, didn't work last time I prayed, probably won't work this time either. Why didn't it work, Pastor? I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand. But I do know what I believe. I believe that when Jesus Christ died on that cross, He took all my sins, He broke the curse. We can be delivered to the demonic. We can, we can be healed. There is this thing called disappointment that is this huge giant in the land that you and I are supposed to inhabit. This place where we are to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now before you jump to a wrong conclusion, is it okay to ask questions of God? Absolutely. Absolutely. I ask him questions all the time because I don't understand. And I'll ask all these questions. But if all of a sudden my asking on questions lead me away from God and his word and I start to stand in the land of human reasoning, I'm in a bad place. And that's, that's what happens. I wish when I get asked those hard questions I could give the answer and point to a scripture, but I can't. But I can tell you what I believe and point to a whole bunch of scriptures and tell you why I believe it. Disappointments, yes. Always. We've all experienced tragedies. We've all seen people die that we didn't want to see die. We've all seen people walk in long-term illnesses that we don't want them to walk in. 
And according to what I believe, I'm going to continue to pray and believe for their healing till they're standing in the presence of God. And I don't care what the circumstances look like. I don't care how many times we have to pray for somebody and we don't see the desired results because we don't understand. I'm going to give up my right to understand so I can live in peace and walk in peace. You know, the last slide I have is kind of a gross slide. But I chose that slide for this reason. Those of you who were here Palm Sunday and Easter, you know and you heard me say, nothing happened to Jesus that wasn't part of the plan. Every single thing that took place was significant. From his entering into Jerusalem to him putting the, the cloaks on the donkey for him to ride on, for throwing them on the paths, the palm branches, all significant. When they put a, corn, a crown of thorns on his head, significant. When they put the purple robe on him, significant. When they beat him with the whip and ripped his flesh to pieces, it was significant. And when he was nailed to the cross, it was significant. And he was put in the tomb and he was raised from the dead. Everything was significant. Guess what? He did not have to be hit, spit on, mocked, jeered, or whipped with that whip until he was a bloody mess to save us. It didn't have to happen for salvation. He had to die on a cross and shed his blood on that cross and be raised from the dead for my salvation. Then why did it happen? By his stripes we are healed. And that's what I believe. And you can't talk me out of it. If the worship team would come forward real quick, I want us to just sing that last song we did in worship. And I want to just invite anybody, if you're here and you need physical healing, just quickly, because we're not going to do this long, just quickly come forward. We'll have some people pray with you. And then if you want to stay later, we'll go right through that door into a small prayer room and pray together. So if we're going to go back, stand with me if you would. As I pray, Lord, I thank you and praise you for the promises of your word. God, and I pray that if, if I am misunderstanding, you make it clear. I pray, God, that you reveal your truth to every one of us so that we know what we believe and why we believe it. God, I thank you that Jesus Christ went to that cross in obedience to you. God, I thank you for every stripe that he took in his body. God, to pay the price. I thank you for the nails in his hands, the nails in his feet that were put there because of my sin. Lord, I thank you more than anything else that the tomb was empty and it still is. And that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father right now praying for his children, us, his church. So Lord, I pray if there's anybody that would like healing, God, I pray you would just move by your spirit. Give them faith to step out and, and just come up and let us pray with them as we prepare to close today in Jesus' name. So if you'd like healing, please just come forward.